This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sean Ram, who is the head of insurance at Coalition. Coalition are a cyber insurtech headquarters based in San Francisco, California. And it's a pleasure to welcome Sean on the show today. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. Sean, it's great to have you on the show. Really looking forward to hearing about what's going on at Coalition. I know there's lots of exciting news hot the press for us to discuss. Before we get into that, though, Sean, would you mind just sharing with our listeners a bit more about your personal background, your career, and what led to you joining business, which was around about six years ago? Yeah, happy to do that. So exiting college, I learned in my university time that the concept of mentorship was really important, that it could drive your career forward, it can give you a lot of support. And so as I was exploring opportunities, which were all financial services based, I was particularly interested in companies that were offering mentorship type programs. And my first Aeon, where I went after college, was one of those companies that very much valued this idea of building young leaders. I was part of this kind of high potential development program. And so there's a variety of things that Aon did where I felt that going to Aon versus, for example, an investment bank or another financial services type company was better suited for me. And I think that was the right decision. I had a lot of great experiences there. When I left Aon, I was responsible for their technology clients globally. So I was responsible their technology industry leader. And I I mentioned that I built my practice at Aon on this theme of uh, building innovative products, like new products. Uh, I, I kind of look at insurance as this trillion dollar capital source and their I believe there were ways in which we could provide greater value to clients through this capital Mm -hmm. uh, by building products, frankly, that didn't exist. One of these Mm -hmm. products that I had built was a patent product, a patent, in fact, a patent troll litigation product. And I referenced that it was obviously important to the insurance or to the technology industry, um, patents are kind of lifeblood of, of many technology companies around the world. And it was a good product. It was successful. It was useful. It was a great experience for me having built a, a product that hadn't existed. I mentioned that only because I left Aon and I had a couple of technology entrepreneurs approach me and ask me a lot of questions about this patent product. My patent product combined patent aggregation services with insurance. And I, I did that through a third-party entity. And they had this idea of combining cybersecurity services and insurance. And I thought it was a great consulting opportunity. I thought I could build an insurance company, do the actuarial modeling, place all the reinsurance. What I did not realize, Nick, was that it was a job opportunity. 
And so it took me a while, but I ended up leaving the brokerage industry and then joined the founding team of Coalition. And honestly, it's been the most fun I've had professionally in my career. And certainly could talk more about that, but that's kind of me in, in a nutshell from a professional standpoint. Fantastic. It'd be great to learn more as well about that transition and how you found you know, working at that large company, building a career at a company like Aon, and then moving across to more of a startup scale-up environment. So it'd be good to get your thoughts on that as, as we go through the show. But as we are in the insurance coffee house today, Sean, I know it's early in the morning over there, Pacific time, end of the day here in the UK, but what's your coffee of choice in the morning? Yeah, funny enough, I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but my go-to in the morning pretty consistently is a protein shake. So I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a chocolate protein shake uh, wherever I can, and that that gets me going as well well into the afternoon. So get, that, um, get those protein macros up for the day. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Great stuff. Good stuff, John. Fantastic. Sean, so if we can turn to the business then, Coalition, as I said, there's been some exciting recent announcements. Could you give me a snapshot? Could you give our listeners an overview of where the business is at this moment in time? Yeah, happy to do that. So Coalition, we started our company in 2017, launched our product, Cyber, in the beginning, January of 2018. Fast forward today and Coalition has well excess of 100,000 policyholders of 70,000 SaaS users. Our policyholders are primarily cyber-based, although we offer a BOP product, a PNC product, as well as exec risks as well, which we launched this year. Coalition, what really drives our value in the insurance chain is the fact that our insurance is active. We use this term active insurance. And so alongside our cyber product, there are a suite of tools and services we provide. We provide active risk assessment. So for example, um, with every submission that we receive, we provide an assessment of how we think of the company from a security standpoint. We offer active mitigation. So there's a variety of notifications, security tools, services that we provide all of our policyholders at no cost. And then finally, when a claim actually does occur, uh, we provide active mitigation and we do all we can to solve the claim, remove the adversary, um, and, and kind of provide additional value to the policyholder, not just at the moment of claim, but throughout the entire policy period. And that's been really useful. And it's been, frankly, so beneficial to our policyholders and to the broker community that we feel fortunate uh, that recently we raised our Series F. So we raised an additional amount of funding. In today's environment, that's something we feel very fortunate to have done additional $250 million. Allianz led the round. It was our first strategic investment from an insurance company of, of that nature. It was Allianz X. And uh, we had participation from existing investors as well as participation from Kinetic Partners. Kinetic is a generally a public company investor, and we're, we're grateful to have believe in the coalition story, certainly as we anticipate going public in the future. In today's environment, we feel fortunate to have raised a round. We also feel very fortunate given the dynamics of how the business has performed from a growth perspective, as well as from a loss ratio perspective, to achieve an increased valuation from, from our last round of $3.5 billion to a $5 billion valuation. A lot of questions about, hey, so the status of the company, what do you do with the funding, et cetera? I mentioned kind of the PNC and exec risks arms. So we, we continue to desire to build out additional products and services. Also, we're expanding internationally. And so we're excited to launch in the UK in the fall of this year, 
We're excited to launch in Asia PAC kind of middle of next year. And so our global expansion, we desire to provide active insurance throughout the world. Incredible story, Sean, incredible journey business being involved in over that five-year period. Huge growth, huge, huge valuation on the business. Clearly, those products and services that you're providing to those clients are seen as, as a real value add for those businesses. If we can move on to that now, what are some of those products? How have you developed those over the years? What are you providing there that maybe other traditional cyber insurance companies are not providing? Yeah, I guess one of the foundational elements of the value that we're providing is in our risk assessment. So we mm-hmm. built technology, software that will go out and, for lack of a better term, scan the internet looking for public information that allows us to better understand the security profile of a company. Now, what's interesting about this is we collect hundreds of thousands of signals. We do this in a matter of seconds and happens in the background as a broker, for example, might be typing in the physical address of the company. However, this information allows us to dramatically reduce application questions that we ask an individual, which makes the process easier for a policyholder and for a broker, number one. Number two, it allows us to quote very, very quickly. Like I said, this happens in a matter of seconds. So a broker could generate a quote in about 90 seconds because of the amount of information we're collecting on the back end. The final thing that I'll highlight, so I'll highlight two other things. One thing that allows us to do this at scale. So we can actually quote thousands of accounts within a minute, right? All around the world. The final thing is this data allows us to have an asymmetry of information when it comes to underwriting. We're able to collect a tremendous amount of information that otherwise would be very difficult to collect in an application, right? Your average application in cyber might contain one to 200 signals, data elements, whereas at Coalition, we would collect on average between one and 200,000 signals on an account. So we intake all that information, we analyze it, we correlate it to insuring agreements, insurance. And so we're able to underwrite not only quickly, but efficiently and effectively. I do want to be clear, as I mentioned, this is all public information. So envision walking down a street and seeing how often a building leaves their windows open or their doors unlocked. But to be clear, and and we would track that, right? We would see how often all of that's happening, how often, to use this analogy, like how often there's vulnerabilities in software, what technology isn't patched appropriately. Do you have any lookalike domains or any compromised credentials? However, we're never walking inside the building. So we're not hacking anyone, just to be clear. And the reason why this is so compelling is because it's the same view generally that an adversary would have. An adversary is rarely walking into a building and installing a USB drive, right? Like they're, they're like that's rare. That happens, I'm sure, in, in the well, it does happen in movies, right? But generally, what an adversary is doing is doing this from their desk. And they're mm-hmm. scanning the internet, mm-hmm. looking for vulnerable software, and they, you know, looking for a nail that's sticking out, and they have a hammer that they can use with script that they code that they've written. And so one of the, the key value propositions that we provide is our ability to assess risk. Now, alongside that, we then utilize that same information throughout the policy period. So we're mm-hmm. providing these security services throughout the policy period. So we underwrite you and your account's great. We're happy about it. Obviously we provide you a quote, you bind it through a broker, and then you come back to us, or excuse me, a few months later, we look at your technology. We're constantly scanning, constantly monitoring. And we notice that, hey, you left the door open. Like there's software now that's really, 
vulnerable and we know that it's getting attacked. Well, because we're constantly underwriting you, our ability to provide active value by notifying you and saying, hey, this particular software, they issued the patch a few weeks ago. You haven't updated it. Hey, can we help you update it at no cost? Right. And, and so we're doing everything we can to ensure that those items that we believe could lead to a client that we can help you kind of solve that. Now, just for clarity, in the event you elect to not kind of fulfill the notification, uh, we, we're not going to deny the claim. Like that's the purpose of insurance and technology be, can be complex. Sometimes updating software might impact another piece of software. So no issues there. We would, we would kind of do what we could to help you in the claim scenario. We have most insurance companies have incident response teams that they outsource claims to, but we built that in-house. And so at Coalition, when a claim happens, we deploy our response team. We do everything we can to help that get the adversary out, bring you to a state of neutral. And all of that happens within the policy. So it's pretty, the active value that I'm suggesting around assessment, monitoring, and risk mitigation is really some of the value that, we, that, you're, that you're asking about. Massive value for those policyholders. Can also see huge amount of value to those brokers who are getting way more data or you're being provided with way more data than they would possibly be able to extract from their clients or get from their clients far smaller you know questions and risk questions as well to go to those clients with often some of those brokers especially if they're not specialists in cyber may not be too comfortable with that and that's something which then passes them by so i'm sure there's a lot of great value there for brokers active insurance so if we if we can explore that a little bit further then you mentioned some areas there where you know, it really provides a benefit for those policyholders. Are you able to, you know, in real time, are you able to, how does that work? Does someone at the policyholder, do they get a notification? Do they get communication from yourself to say, actually, they're at a real threat at the moment or, or, or of an imminent attack? Or how does that work a little bit more in practice? Yeah. So there's, so first of all, you're correct. There is a, a note, like there's an email that goes out, it tells you what the problem is, why it's a problem, how to fix it with like links and kind of research all available. And then finally, it says, hey, click this button to schedule some time with Coalition and we can help walk you through this, talk to you in more detail, et cetera, et cetera. And generally, policyholders appreciate this kind of proactive notification. However, policyholders do have access to their own Coalition dashboard. So we provide every policyholder with a snapshot of everything that Coalition can see. That way they have visibility around what's happening in the network. And there may be something where, for example, the notification would show up in their dashboard and would say, hey, what we do is we provide a ranking for all policyholders in relation to each other, right? So it might say, hey, you rank in the 70th percentile of, of Coalition's policyholders. And then we have this vulnerability that we've notified them about they can actually use the dashboard to solve the vulnerability and then rescan their network and then demonstrate that they've advanced from 70 to whatever, 75, whatever it might be. And when you take that amount of data across 100,000 policyholders, over 100,000, uh, that's a tremendous amount of information that we're utilizing. Um, multiply that by the number of signals we're collecting. Coalition is, is truly a data collection firm. Yeah, absolutely. Big time, big time. And Sean, discuss some of that international expansion that's on the horizon. I know you're moving over here into the UK in the autumn and, and plans to grow into the Asia Pacific region as, as well. As you look forward though, what do you see as some of the challenges for the business? I mean, you know, the huge scale that you've achieved there in the US and the, the valuation of the business has been incredible. What do you see as some of the challenges as, as you do grow and move forward as a business? We've been a long time 
participant in the London marketplace through cover holder, through being a cover holder of Lloyd's. So um, we've been committed to Lloyd's and are excited about our relationships there. Um, now providing, having the opportunity to provide our products and services to the UK specifically is exciting for us. Uh, that's something we've been looking forward to doing. Having said that, when you expand across continents, one of the greatest challenges that I believe any company has, and we will experience this as well, is maintaining the culture. Culture is a key tenet of coalition's mantra and our belief system and how we operate as a company. You know, coalition, we desire to remain humble. We sweep the floors. We're authentic, right? We, we, there are certain, there are cultural values, and you can find these on our website, but there's cultural values that we truly believe in have enabled Coalition to become the company that we are today. It's the key attribute that I look for when I hire someone, is whether or not they would meet our cultural values, and then obviously other, other items pertaining to their job. When you build a new operation where the individuals that are being hired in country have no background, no experience with the coalition culture, it's critical that you get that right. Fortunately for our UK expansion, we brought a senior leader at coalition in the US and transferred them to the UK to help build that operation. And so we have an individual on the ground who will continue to live and breathe and build, establish that same culture in the UK. But that is one of the greatest challenges, particularly when you have the growth that we've had, right? Coalition, we've attempted to not hire more people in a given year than the amount of people we had at the end of the prior year, right? Yeah. Like we don't yeah. want to more than double our company because then you would have less people who understood the culture than those that do, right? Uh, that's a difficult when you do um, a major expansion like this in the UK where all the employee base are there. So having leadership from coalition on the ground who will be there um, leading that operation is a, is a significant value add in terms of mitigating that concern. Now, it seems to be a great strategy to have someone coming over there from the States in order to open that office and build out the team. Certainly some cultural differences maybe between the Lloyds of London markets and San Francisco and the Bay Area over there, I'm sure. But you know, I know you guys are obviously very much high performance team and I'm sure that will go down very well here in the UK as well. Sean brings us nicely onto the espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you're more of a protein fake man in the morning, but you ready for the espresso round now? Let's do it. Let's do it. The espresso round. Sean, in terms of that growth and scale, how many people are you looking to grow the business by over the next 12 months? Next 12 months, I would anticipate nearly doubling the company size. So a lot of growth ahead. So how many people are you looking at there? So we're currently at about 600 employees. So before the end of this year, we'll be we'll be pushing kind of the thousand mark and, and certainly looking into the next year, I would expect nearly doubling. Fantastic. And as you look to grow, we touched upon it already, but as you do look to grow and scale at that speed, how do you ensure that those cultural values that you've implemented there, how do you ensure that they remain in the business and they're, they're a very important foundation of the company? There's a variety of things we do. The first thing we do is we just talk about it. The, 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 val the cultural values are embedded into performance, into our weekly meetings as a company. Um, uh, secondly, we, as I mentioned earlier, we hire for it. We look for it. Thirdly, we have to live it 
as leaders in the company, we have to demonstrate kind of foundational examples around what culture means in the company. And the final thing, a more tactical thing that I'll mention is that we do a a pretty extensive orientation with all of our employees Mm -hmm. where we have a week-long kind of just coalition introduction. uh, And that's before we start addressing their job, right? Their kind of day-to-day duties. So those are a few ways where we we attempt to uh, embed the culture into the employees we have. And how do you see remote working as part of that? Is that something that you see as a challenge in building that culture? Or do you see it as an opportunity to expand the talent pool and have people based in different locations? What are your thoughts on building a team in, in a remote environment? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, particularly on the heels of the pandemic. What's, what's interesting about Coalition is we have always been remote. So when we built the company, we were remote and we always believed that you could hire, if you could hire the best talent wherever they would be, that they Mm. would find a way to get the job done. Mm. Now, there's certainly some areas, for example, Mm. we have sales roles where geography matters, right? Mm. An individual is based in a certain geography. But beyond that, we have a remote first culture well before the pandemic began. In fact, the pandemic was not as impactful to coalition because we were so prepared from a remote perspective. And so given that we are remote and given that it is uh, more normal for us to be remote than in the office, uh, greater than 65% of our employees do not work in offices, the opportunity to drive the culture leads to experiences where we do a lot more the video meetings we do a lot more documentation. We do like we write a lot of things down and we ensure that community that employees understand where to get the information they they need and where they need to go to ask questions. We're not perfect, right? Um, but certainly uh, building a culture that was based on remote first um, helped uh, drive the culture into the company. We touched on it at the introduction that you had a very successful career at Aon. Presumably, that was a career that was either based in and around our office or traveling to different offices. How did you find that transition yourself personally from being at a large corporate business to joining as a, as a co-founder of a, a startup and, and working remotely as well? Yeah, be, being on the founding team of Coalition for me was a delight. I think um, just like for me, it was exciting. It was enabling. It was empowering. It was uh, just, frankly, amazing. Like I, uh, the actions that we performed in those first kind of year or two of coalition. It, let's be clear, it was a grind. Like we were, we worked really hard. We were all over the place um, mm-hmm. in terms of traveling, trying to find. Uh, initially capacity, and then just kind of building the broker network and telling the story of coalition. This is before really the concept. People weren't really using the term insure tech at the moment. Um, there was no co- there was no comparisons. It's not like people came to coalition and say, "Oh, you're like this company." We were telling yeah. the story for the first time, and everyone, you know, we, we, there there were definitely uh, many individuals in the insurance community that needed some convincing. And we were diligent. There's something that happens in a startup environment different from a large company, which is, how do I describe this? It's, there's no alternative. It's like success or or failure, right? There's no middle ground. You're either going to build your product and deliver value or you're, you're not going to exist. And this like existential threat that you have as a company or as an individual 
breeds a different level of commitment and diligence and vigor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're, you're, you're zealousness. I mean, you, you're doing things. And, and, and by the way, this idea of being a startup is important to our culture. Like we've evolved as a company. We raise money. We have a decent valuation. We have a lot of employees. But the hunger that's needed is, is, is well, it's just that. It's still needed. And we don't want to rest on our laurels. Uh, we have this mantra in, in, inside our company, which is we're 1% there. And because our vision continues to expand, um, we never get 2% there, right? We're always at 1% there. And we, we say that on our weekly call. And it's just this constant striving for excellence in the company, which I thought is just exciting. Uh, You can't stop. You can't slow down. You have to continuously execute. And it's critical that, frankly, myself as an individual and every employee coalition and we as a company in the aggregate continue to maintain that level of enthusiasm and drive for excellence. No, that's fantastic. Sean, I'd like to get your advice now for listeners out there who might be either an insurance carrier or at a brokerage, you were considering either founding or joining an insurtech startup business. You know, clearly you had a very innovative career prior to that and were involved in building products, you know, from the ground up. But other people out there might be looking at roles, you know, chief insurance officer roles, chief underwriting roles, distribution roles for insurtechs going from thousands of people in their companies to maybe 20 people, maybe 50 people, 100 people. If you could give them some advice when they're thinking about that decision, what, what would that advice be? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I think given some of the popularity, notoriety that insurtechs have had in the last few years, I, c- I could see this being relevant. Firstly, I would say just evaluate the mission, evaluate the vision, evaluate the people. Um, uh, Josh and John, Joshua Mata, the CEO of Coalition, John Herring, co-founder, their vision and, and the the skill set and the success that they brought to the table were were really appealing. Like people matter. Um, and you, you can, like, I don't presume to be, um, how, do, how do I say this? I, I think it's a, sometimes in the insurance industry, it's easy to think, hey, you can come in and like change the world as an individual but the people you surround yourself with are critical. Um, so that's number one. The second thing, I, I say this to even people that I interview at Coalition, you gotta be really honest with yourself. The, insurance, the idea of obtaining 80 to 90% annuities on insurance business through renewals is really an appealing business model. Um, it's also a model that if you don't, if you aren't careful, it can drive complacency and mediocrity. And so you have to be really open with yourself about um, whether or not you have the, the ambition, the drive, the, the work ethic. Um, we, I mentioned earlier, we use this term in the company that we sweep the floors. And it's kind of this concept that at Coalition, we're like willing to do anything, like culturally, like whatever it takes. And there are times when I've had to literally sweep the floors in an office. And, and that's okay. Like, it's not beneath me, right? Like, you, you, you have to get your, to use a different, you have to get your hands dirty. You have to actually, someone actually has to sit down and do the work. And so that cultural attribute alongside the fact that a coalition, you know, we were perhaps more, instead of using the term insure tech, we're perhaps more tech insure. 
yeah. right? Greater than 60% of our employees are dedicated to engineering product or security. Like we're very much a technology company who operates in the world of insurance. Um, and so the speed in which we operate due to technology is important, right? Mm-hmm. Insurance is not an industry known for speed. And so you kind of have to be really honest with yourself, right? Like, do you have the attributes needed to grind in a startup environment? And are you comfortable with the pace and speed in which it operates? Um, so this is really about being authentic to yourself and, and being true to your desires because it is a, like, it's a grind. It's an incredibly difficult and challenging, but I have found it at a personal level, incredibly rewarding and frankly, just tremendously fun. And that, that fits me. That's who I am. It's, it, 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 it is, it's been perfect for me, uh, but likely not perfect for everyone. No, that's, that's fantastic advice, Sean. Really good. In terms of our London listeners, of people within Europe who, who might be listening today, maybe they're cyber underwriters, maybe they're involved in cyber insurance here in this podcast today, what would you say are the opportunities there uh, for someone who comes and joins the company? What can they experience as a career coalition? One of the coolest things about cyber at coalition is the fact that you become a security expert as well. And in the world of insurance, you're a security expert. And we believe that technical acumen associated with cyber underwriting is critical that this is just not about actuarial tables and about frequency and severity or about insuring agreements. Actually understanding what the policyholder is doing from a security standpoint and how that leads to losses, understanding what adversaries are doing Mm. around the world in order to infiltrate companies and the unique threat vectors that come on on a regular basis Uh, These all contribute to making a good underwriter and a good knowledgeable expert in the world of cyber insurance. It's one of the beauties of of coalition and individuals that come here is you grow professionally. You expand Mm -hmm. your developmental skill set and you're able to bring on this. Like I I tell people, I tell underwriters, your policyholders, your brokers will look at you as their cyber expert because we connect very directly insurance and security at coalition. And so anyway, just just a couple of things that I think people will frankly enjoy greatly in the world of cyber, because I believe that the future of cyber insurance is a stronger connection between the risk and the premium, the insurance. And that's a different way of me saying the security of the policyholder and the insurance that they're purchasing. Sounds like you can get a lot closer connected with your clients, with your policyholders, as as opposed to being an arm length as well, which is fantastic. Sean, we've almost reached the end of our time together in the Insurance Coffee House. Time has certainly flown past. Before we go, though, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And if there's anyone here in the UK or across the States at the moment interested in joining Coalition, how would they go about reaching out to you or the, the team after the show? Yeah, the the counsel I'd provide is the world is changing. Technology is driving economic proliferation around the world. It's driving Mm. efficiency. It's driving revenue growth. And with that increase in technology at scale comes tremendous risk, right? Mm. Um, I believe Coalition is best suited to address this broad risk of technology, digital risk. Mm. Uh, For me, as I mentioned, it's been the most fun place I've been in my career. 
And we are looking for talented, bright individuals to help drive the mission of coalition to solve this great risk. Um, what's oftentimes referred to as the most pervasive risk of society today. Yeah. So the best place to kind of access coalition is we have career opportunity page on our website. And there's many, many roles that are open and available and would welcome your applying for those roles. Fantastic. And we'll post that link to your uh, careers page on the podcast so people can just click straight and see what's available at the moment. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to hear about what you're doing there at Coalition. It sounds like a really fantastic place to be. Lots of opportunity, huge amounts of growth as well. And yeah, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your thoughts and your own personal journey as well. It's been a privilege, Nick. Thank you for the opportunity. To all the InsureTech leaders, all the insurance leaders, uh, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for joining us. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable learnings and insight from what Sean's had to say today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffeehouse Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffeehouse with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.